0: To hit something wrong at the end of the service, I was paying a little more attention to what I was doing and going to talk to the young ladies and such, and uh, somehow I made it not record what I had done, thank you sir, appreciate it, you're useful after all my friend, don't let it go to your head, all right? John chapter 5, we'll speak to you tonight, I'm being thoroughly prepared. That'd be great. All the way to travel. I get tickled, brother. Brother Bell and I about fuss every time I go up to his place over the thing. He just kind of takes his and throws it in his suit jacket. and Just ties it on however I don't do that. I don't like anything in my suit jacket. And then uh, also I take it off sometimes. Who knows what I'm going to do while I'm preaching. And uh, then he doesn't put his through back here. And if I do that, mine moves around. He goes... Why do you take so long? I'm like, don't harass me. <laughs> you got to see it. It's, it's a beautiful thing when the two of us are together. Yeah, John chapter 5. Then in a series we have been more about Jesus. And uh, from the book of John, each one of the chapters of John show Christ in a different light. It's pretty neat, really, the way really it's set up. In John chapter 5, I want to look tonight at Jesus as the complete healer. Jesus is the complete healer and let's see about this. John chapter 5 verse 1 it says after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. The, this that this was after was the meeting the woman at Sychar's well. We learned about that and uh, how Jesus said talk to the woman at the well how she had come to know the Savior and got so excited she went and by her word, her testimony, a lot of the town came out, believed on Christ, and then he stayed two days there in Samaria and taught them. And at the end of it, they said, now we believe, not for her word, but because we have heard you ourselves. And So all these things had went on, and now this is happening here. It says, verse 2, Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. That means a house of mercy or the house of kindness. There's a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. If you think about porches, you think about areas that go out towards this big pool. It's not like a concrete swimming pool, but it's a pool of water. I don't know exactly how it would have been contained. But they had five porches or areas where people could be on that went out to this pool. In these, in these five porches, lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Now the word impotent means that they are lacking in health or strength somewhere. If we had something that, uh, let's say a medicine that was a particularly good medicine and after a certain time it had lost its medicinal value, we would say that it had lost its potency. And impotent folk are folks who have don't have the vitality, don't have the energy of life left in them at all with that. And so it said there were many uh, impotent folks. So you have a bunch of people who, are, uh, who are, uh, have illness, who have different things that are there, and uh, some crippled perhaps and different things like that. And then it says what some of these people are, verse 3, and, and these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, meaning they had trouble with moving, walking, whatever, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Now here's an unusual thing in the Bible. And there's no more explanation given in the Scripture about this than what it says right here. So you just take this at face value. It was an unusual thing that happened in there. You don't find anything else like it. But this is what, this is what went on. There are many unusual things in this world and have been. And uh, so it's important to understand that. Verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool. That's unusual, isn't it? I wonder why he was going down in there. <laughs> What's the purpose of that? You know? I'm not sure. But there he is. An angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. In other words, it caused the agitation in that water. When he went in. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now that'd been quite a phenomenon, wouldn't it? That'd get well known. People would know about that, and they'd want to. They'd want to know about it there. Y'all scoot that way just a little bit. Levi, I can't see you, but scoot this way. Yeah, appreciate you being here. All right, and. Uh, so they, whoever went down first after the troubling of the water was made whole. Then look what happens with this. And he was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity. How long does it say, church? 30, 30 and 8 years. So 38 years has had this. That's a long, time to be, a long time to have a problem, an infirmity, something wrong with him. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he says unto him, look at the question Jesus asking, will thou be made whole? So that's the question. It's a straightforward question, isn't it? Do you want to be whole? Look at the answer, because it does not match to the question. Look what the man answered. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. So apparently his infirmity was such that he could not get himself in there. He said, I have no man to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, was he dragging himself? Was he pulling himself along? I don't know, but he apparently was slow. Another stepped down before me. Can you imagine? I don't know how many years he'd been coming here, but he had this problem for 38 years. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be time and after time again, trying to be there, being diligent to watch when that angel went in, someone getting there right before him. And, and uh, my goodness, it, it was very, uh, very discouraging for him. But again, and I'll draw attention to this later, but he did, not ask, he did not answer the question that was asked. Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. 38 years. he has to have somebody help him even to get into the pool to do it in any kind of a, uh, any kind of a uh, uh, good fashion. And Jesus just says, rise, take up thy bed, and walk now watch what happens immediately the man was made whole he's whole he's completely well immediately the man was made whole and on the same day was the sabbath the jews therefore said unto him that was cured it is the sabbath day it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed man they could really zero in on the important couldn't they he answered them, I love his answer though. He gives a good answer. They say, Hey, 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 you're not allowed to carry your bed. Apparently, it was known that this fellow was ill because his answer kind of took that for granted. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. And a real simple thing, conclusion he's come to there. He had enough power to heal me. I reckon I ought to do what he says. Okay, that's straightforward. I like that. Then asked they him, what man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? Now they're wanting to do it because they're wanting to come against Him, what they're doing for doing it. And he that was healed wist not who it was. He didn't know who he was. Did you see how He addressed Jesus in verse 7? Sir? I didn't know who he was. What do I do who this was? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed Himself away, a multitude being in that place. Jesus healed him and kept moving. So these Jews say, hey, who was it that healed you? And he's like, don't know. (laughs) I don't know who he was. Afterward, Jesus findeth him. Hmm. So Jesus found him. Where did he find him? Look at the verse 14. Where was he? In the temple. And said unto him, now pay attention to what Jesus said, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worse thing come unto thee. I'll bring our attention to that in a little while. Verse 15, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. I don't think he was trying to get Jesus in trouble. He, just, he was excited, and now he knew who it was. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus. Look how far it went. And sought to slay him because he had done these things on the seventh day. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? Amazing how cruel, crooked, and perverse the human heart can be. Now, I'll talk to you about this thing about Jesus the complete healer. Not a complicated message, certainly not lengthy, but you'll be benefited by it tonight. Will you pray with me as I pray? I'm going to ask the Lord to help me as I preach. I'm going to ask Him to help me to have hearing ears. Wednesday, I learned something as I was preaching and teaching you all. something I had not seen at all. That sounds a scary. My brain does a very quick, quick scan when something comes up and runs references, and I knew it was on track. But uh, let's pray for God to guide our minds tonight. Let's do that, all right? Father, thank you that we get to be here. I'm glad your word's open. It sure it's powerful. There's several things about this, Lord, that I look at, and I'm like, well, that really seems unusual to my mind. But Lord, I'd like to lift you up tonight and make clear these things that I believe you put in my heart and mind for your people. Lord, help me to do it clearly. May my speech match what the message is. And may I have orderly thoughts so that the truth may be easily understood. Lord, I want to have an open heart to your word as I preach it. And I pray that you'll guide us tonight, asking Jesus' name. Amen. Give you just these quick thoughts on Jesus, the complete healer, twice there in that passage. It said he was made whole. He's made whole. It was a complete job that, that the Lord did. He was made whole. Now, I'll give you the first thing is I want you to notice in verse 8, look if you will with that. He said, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Let me say to you, he did heal the physical problem. I had my uh, a preacher friend of mine asked me an interesting question within the last couple of weeks. He said, Brother Manning, so I'm to get your input on something. Said, what's that? He said, why is it, he's, he said, this is a fellow who's been around independent Baptist churches his whole life. He's not a mutt like I am. And uh, he said, uh, he said, why is it maybe the independent Baptist churches teach very little about spiritual warfare, about things like that? And I talked to him about it, and I gave him a reference of someone who actually does teach 5A about that, and he was wanting some information. I gave him a reference from Brother Marvin Smith out in Fort Dodge, Iowa. And uh, anyway, I talked to him about that, and I said, Well, part of the reason is this. I said, Because we tend to be sometimes reactionary. And when groups that are going a false direction teach something, we tend to leave it alone, even if it's there's truth in it. you know. Um, talk about gifts of the Spirit. That's very much a, the gifts of the Spirit that the, that the Spirit gives, the gifting of God. That's very much valid Bible teaching important to understand. But some groups take that and go to extreme with it, one thing or another. That's all they're ever doing is trying to find out what gifts you have, what gifts don't you have, and all this, and it becomes a pride thing. Of course, that's what the Corinthian church did, didn't it? They're, you know, oh, I have this ability, I have that ability, whatever. And uh, it becomes a prideful thing. And so a reaction to that is just not to ever teach about gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit Himself. Sometimes uh, fullness of the Holy Spirit. Walking in power of the Holy Spirit. Asking for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Even what I preached this morning as I was talking about wanting to be led of God in the particulars and, and, and having that nudge from God that puts me in the right direction. Sometimes that's avoided. You, you'd be amazed how many churches that we would uh, associate with uh, have sister churches that will avoid that kind of talk. Why? Because it's associated with the charismatic music movement they don't want to be associated with that. I don't want to be associated with the charismatic movement. Either... But I'm not going to not go on to Bible truth because someone else has taken it in some way, you know, it Let me say this thing of physical healing is the same way. I believe there's a distinction between the apostles and who we are now. Very much. But I still believe that the living God can and does heal physically. They say, you believe in healing services. I guess if the service was sick, we'd try to heal them. <laughs> Talk about lining people up and putting on a show. I don't believe in that nonsense. Near as I can tell, the Bible doesn't either. <laughs> but God does heal. And I'm supposed to give you this tonight. I'm really, really at a strong point in my preaching and biblical ministry what God wants me to do among this church of uh, just trying to seek God on what I'm supposed to talk to you about and not trying to figure out why. (laughs) And God still heals. You say, does He always heal? No, He doesn't. You talk about the apostles. As the New Testament was being completed and you had the complete Word of God being given... And a lot of the powers which were given to the apostles were given to verify that the, they were giving the Bible. There was a specific reason for that. But Paul, towards the end of his ministry, named out, I think it was Trophimus. Am I right on that? Was it Trophimus he had to leave sick? Somebody help me with that? Was it him? Um, was that the or Trophimus? Can't remember. I'll write you. Okay. Um, but one of his companions and fellow laborers he had to leave ill in the city. Now, that's Paul. So I didn't just heal him go because that's not what happened at that point. I believe you can pray to the best of your knowledge, and if you don't feel a direct stopping not to do it, I believe you can pray for healing for people. You can ask God to heal them. God allows us to ask. We've just got to be ready not to pitch a temper tantrum if it doesn't happen. I don't know exactly why all this is said. I know it's true, and it's Bible, that's why I'm saying it, but application I'm not going to even try to make. Somebody here, maybe just a few of you, <coughs> ever heard of a preacher, he's been around for a very long time, Pastor Gary Berry, you know that name, he's been used to the Lord for a long time, just a very sound man, and uh, that, I just found out something while I was at lunch with Brother Bell. He said, Did you hear what happened Brother Gary Barry? And well, this is the guy kind saying, of well, I'm getting ready to tell you, scare the average Baptist half out of their mind. And that's bad, because you usually have half a mind to start with, so we've got to be careful. I guess it was a couple of years ago, forgive me if my time stamp on that's incorrect. I had heard at one point Brother Barry had been very ill, but I didn't understand all the story of it. I'm not sure what the illness was, Brother Bell wasn't, but there was some type of illness he had in his body. The way Brother Bell gave it to me, he said it was kind of his body was kind of congealing. It was like it was just dying there. Now, I don't know for sure what it was. It was, type, was types of leukemia to do that. I'm not sure what it was. My friend uh, Kenny Moreland, he did that in the space of like two days. He felt sick, and then his, his blood just all gone to and That's been a number of years ago. But Brother Moreland, or uh, uh, Brother Gary Berry, they've done everything they could do for him. And Brother Bell was coming. He was with them. He was in a meeting. Brother Cox was there. And uh, Brother Gary Barry was there. And Brother Gary Barry's wife was there. And I hope her name's Mary. Wouldn't that be great? Gary Berry, Mary Berry. Um, but, um... <laughs> that would be awesome. But they, uh... <laughs> but, um... Uh, they were talking, they, they went to lunch together during they were at a conference together, and uh, Brother Bell said his wife was sitting right there confirming all the details, and that was important because Brother Barry was so ill, You would have thought, was he hallucinating, something like that, but his wife's sitting there saying, this is exactly what happened. So he was in the hospital, and they said, we can't do anything else for you. At the most, you might have a couple of said, you need to call your relatives and all that. And so they were contacting the people. And he was just going down, going down, couldn't move, couldn't set up, couldn't do anything. And said it was evening time, and uh, just he and his wife in the room, said so doctor walked in. So they had the smock on, had everything. Said so the doctor walked in, walked in, and, and uh, Brother Bell said that Mrs. Berry from this exact what happened, said walked up and looked at Brother Gary, at Brother Barry there and said, uh, he said, uh, you don't do well with it sickness, do you? Brother Barry said, no, I'm afraid I don't. He said, reached in the pocket, pulled out two little brown vials, put them in the IV, walked out of the room. Mm-hmm. Next day, Brother Barry was setting up, feeling so much better. The nurse came in and said, what are you doing setting up? He said, I feel better. I'm feeling good. What in the world? Within, They were discharging him the next day. He was walking out of the hallway to go to get discharged. And uh, said, the nurse stopped him and said, look, and I said, Mr. Barron, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be here. And he said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm getting discharged. No, 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 you're not supposed to be here. Bible. And uh, he he said, well, that doctor came in and gave him stuff and they're like, what are you talking about? You probably can tell them the rest of the story. They started checking around. Nobody could figure out who it was, what they did, what was going on. God still heals. You go looking for that kind of experience though, you're looking in the wrong trail. Sure, All right. What sure. we do is we go hunting God according to his word. Amen. But my God still can heal. <clears throat> Who pastored there in Walkertown for years? His name's escaped me. Help me. Robertson. Yeah, yeah, brother brother Robertson. Brother Bobby Robertson. He was 27 years old. He had a massive heart attack. He said his church grew real fast up to about 200, 250 people and then they were fighting. And he said I tried to get them together and it tore me apart trying to get them together. By his testimony, he said that he got, there was one fellow that was causing so much trouble and Brother Brother Robertson's health was starting to fail him. He's a 27-year-old man. And he said, the fellow walked up to him one day and says, look at you, you look like a skeleton. Can't you tell God's done with you here? He said, he got all upset. He said, I got so angry at him. He said, I got thinking about how good I've been to him and then him drink that way and kicked me on down. And he said, he said, for months, it was the most horrible part of the ministry I've ever been through. He says, I dreaded going to the pulpit or anything else. And he says, and one day I got thinking about it. And I said, well, what happened to that man? And he says, I realized, he said, it was the devil. I got at the devil forgave him, and he said, my health started coming back. He was, put into, he was put into a hospital, had a massive heart attack at 27 years old, and here's what he would say. I heard him say on two or three occasions when I got to hear him preach. He said, "He said I may die have a heart attack tomorrow, which he didn't. <laughs> he said, but you're looking at a man who God healed. He said, God healed me at a certain point and gave me my strength back. He said, wow, how long did that last? He only pastored 62 years. God still heals. Jesus is the complete healer. Don't throw upon any man or woman something that they can't deliver and ask them to heal you. You got to hear God. Second of all, he not only healed the physical problem, but he healed the psychological problem. I'll show you what I mean by that. There was a problem in the fellow's thinking. It has to do with the fact of what I pointed out to you. He did not answer the question he was asked. Sure. That's annoying. Look at verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had, now, he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, and this is about as straightforward a question as you can ask somebody Will thou be whole? You won't be well. That's a straightforward question, isn't it? Doesn't that sound a lot like a yes or no question? But look at what the man answers. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another stepeth down before me. Here's the thought I had on that. The man had been so long in that state as far as the infirmity and so long in the state of of not being able to care for himself that his mind had narrowed down to thinking of only one means of deliverance available. Worse, he basically mentally gave up. Here's what his process was by what's revealed by what he said. I have to be put in this pool for my problem to be cared for. I have no one to help me and nothing is ever going to change. Jesus made him whole. Not only did he heal the physical situation, but he also dealed with the psychological or mental situation where this man who through his infirmity, through the problems in his life, he had narrowed down to thinking, oh, there's only one way of escape. There's only one way this can be done. And because his vision was limited, he had come to a point where he did not consider that God is not limited. God's means of deliverance was something outside the realm of what He was expecting. Somebody says, uh, "We say, well, uh, what's going on? Do you, do you want some help? Something like that. Well, I've tried everything there is. Well, that's not the true statement by itself. But to narrow down to just one thing, He said, I have to get in this pool at this time, and that's all the way I can do it. And because I don't have anybody, I'm just done. Jesus dealt not only with the physical ailment, but he also circumvented the block that was in this fellow's mind about what God might be able to do. I find myself more and more appreciating that God leads us to start thinking about these things. It's way too easy, I find, to see the problems we face looming very large. You remember when the Israelites were scared to death of a certain huge individual by the name of Goliath? By the way, does anybody know what the name Goliath means? I'm not sure, but I think it means don't fight with this man. (laughs) Something close to that. But you remember that whole army of the Israelites? Goliath would walk down there in the valley. Give me a man to fight. What would they all do every time he did that? Took off, didn't they? In fact, I think that they left with a certain alacrity. They were moving as quickly as they can because they didn't want to be mistaken as a volunteer by being last. There you out of the way. When David asked, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defied the armies of the living God? Of course, he was chided and his brother tried to shame him in front of everybody. Elias did that. And everyone was telling him "You can't do this. He got some armor from Saul's armory and said, I can't do this. It didn't prove. He, uh, He is ready to go and Saul said to him, King Saul said, you can't fight with him. I love the statement. To me, this is a funny statement. He said, you cannot fight him because thou art but a youth, right? And he, a man of war, since his youth. That is so funny if you look what he just said. Well, you're too young to fight him. He's been fighting since he was as young as you are. Okay, never mind. Um, so in other words, he had to start something too. He may have been that age. Although he did have a high age. David runs towards him. He said, yeah, he had a sling and he had five stones. Oh, yeah, he did. But he had something more important than that. He had a vision of God. I don't mean he saw something spooky. I mean, he ran towards him and said he's going to do this so that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. You know what happened, David... Had an understanding of how big his God was. This giant is it? What are you talking about? Well, he's a 10 foot tall man. He's a man. He's a squishy. I mean, God's able to do this. So there's barriers sometimes in our mind. We become focused in on what the problem is, focused in on where the barrier is, and we lose sight of God. Well, if I just get sight of God, then whatever it is that's concerning me will be cured, fixed, whatever. That's not what I I don't believe that it would be right, biblically, doctrinally, for me to give that to you as a statement from this teaching. But may I remind you, regardless of what the outcome comes of anything, we need to make sure in the midst of it we don't lose our focus on God. Jesus in this case Asking, will thou be made whole? He said, do you want to be whole? I don't have anybody put me in the pool. I'm trying to get there. Somebody else gets there ahead of me. He didn't ask you if he had anybody put me in the pool. He didn't ask him if he could get to the pool. He didn't ask you, do you want me to help you get to the pool? He said, do you want to be whole? I guess the question tonight that I am on firm biblical ground for, do you want to be whole? Christ can make you whole in any circumstance. Do you want to be whole? It's a weird thing about human behavior. And I'm one of them. We get used to what troubles us and it annoys us if our trouble gets taken away. Oh, I'll preach that's not so. You don't deal with a lot of people, do you? Um, it is so. Somebody comes on and they have a simple... Situation. If you understand the situation, maybe they have a financial struggle going on and there are three or four valid things that you know, and you ask them, say, okay, they come asking, asking, how can I, how can I fix this? Well, here, here's how you do it. No big, huge thing, you know, you take this step, you take this step. No, 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 you just don't understand. That's how you was it Oh, you just don't understand. Oh, that'll work for you. That won't work for me. And they have an excuse for every answer They have a problem for every solution. And in its worst case, what undergirds that or strengthens that behavior is they have gotten used to a certain, number one, attention because of their problem. And the second thing is their problems become their excuse to check out and not be responsible for life. It's become their ticket to say, oh, I can't be expected because I have. That's a miserable worm-like existence. He healed the psychological problem as well as the physical problem. And then may I say to you, he healed the religious problem. Did you know there was a religious problem here? say, what was it? I'm not completely sure. But I do know this. That fellow, I doubt, if had been to the temple in a long time. Seems like he would have had trouble going anywhere. And I do know this, and it's to the man's merit that this is the case. Look in verse 14. The Jews had gotten on the fellow for carrying his bed. Jesus comes and finds the fellow, doesn't he? He did that in John 9 too, after he would healed the fellow of his blindness and then everybody turned on him and his Mom and dad you know, basically said that he can answer for himself. and They did it because they were scared of the Jews. Well, he comes and Jesus finds him. I love that. Isn't it also interesting that Jesus follows up even on those he's made whole? And he was following up, and we'll get to the next point to deal with a, a further situation that needed to address. But here in verse 14, afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple. I love the fact that this fellow, as soon as his strength was restored to him, As soon as this great thing had happened, there was such a measure of gratitude, such a measure of understanding or something like that. I'm not sure what all it was. But I do know, I can't presume on the man's motives, but I know where he ended up. He went to God's house. I like that. He he went right to the Lord's house. Went right at it. Took care of that problem. He said, I don't know what the man's condition was. There's a little hint in what I'm going to show you next. But I do know this. As soon as he was well, he went and said, I'm going to go to the Lord's house. I, that, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get there as quick as I can get there. You know, sometimes people with prolonged illness and different things like that where they legitimately have a lot of trouble being in church. Maybe it's a long period of time not being able to be in church. Sometimes they get in a habit of not being in church and then they just lay out of church. I've pastored people who after a lengthy illness or so whatever just never got back in the church. Be careful. You can do it. By the way, I'm glad for the modern things that allow people who cannot be here for whatever reason to hear the services here for preaching that, and I'm glad for that. But it should never be your choice to opt for that instead of this. True. The command in the Bible is written a specific way not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And there's a work the Holy Spirit of God does when His people are assembled that you can't get with just listening to what's going on. He took care of the religious problem, whatever it may have been. Then you ready for this one? He healed the historical problem. First time I saw this, when I read through it, just kind of blew my mind. I read it and I whoa, 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 hold on there. And I went back up. You have to hear me when I'm reading. I talk to myself. I'm going to be reading and talk to the Lord and go back and, and do that. Maybe you all don't do that. I do that when I'm, I'm reading. I, I, I'm like, wait a minute. What did that just say? Now, do you all remember reading about Bartimaeus and the boy Bartimaeus on the road? And uh, it was was Bartimaeus when uh, they asked the question, who did send this man? No, that wasn't Bartimaeus. Who was that? It was this blind man. I don't think his name was given. Excuse me, Bartimaeus was crying out. David, Jesus, I'll David. But the blind man, when the, the disciples said, who sinned, this man or his parents that so he was born blind? And I was glad and brought up things, or the Dan's actually brought it up to me. How dumb was that question? Is he born blind because he sinned? Think about that for a minute. I hadn't kind of thought of it. Right? That's, that's a stupid question if you ever heard of it. <laughs> he's not born yet. He's born blind because he sinned. Okay, whatever. Um, I don't believe in reincarnation. What the deal was. Um, but when the disciples very tactlessly said in the hearing of this blind man, Who sinned? Him or parents because he's born blind. You can see how, how obnoxious is that? Is that just beyond obnoxious? Now, they said that. It was a foolish statement and those things were dealt with and Jesus taught them something from it. But what I'm going to read you now, Jesus is saying. So this isn't misguided people making a judgment on somebody. This is the Lord of glory making a statement to somebody. And it doesn't give us any details, but I want you to look at the scenario with this. Look in verse 14 again and think about this. This man had been ill for how, long, how many years? Have you, have been for 38 years. Jesus heals him. He doesn't know who Jesus is. And the Jews ask him and he goes to the temple. Next, Jesus finds him in the temple. Jesus is specifically searching him out to do a further work in his life and to instruct him. Watch what Jesus said. This is not a judgmental disciple. This is Jesus. Verse 14, Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, look at the declarative statements, Behold, thou art made whole. He said, pay attention, you've been made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come on thee. What? What did he just say? What did Jesus just say? You're made whole. After 38 years, you send no more or worse thing will come on. There's some history there sometime. It's not revealed to us what it is. But that wasn't just a loose statement. Jesus made none of those. That was not the judgmental statement of a tactless disciple. That was the Lord of glory coming to find Him in the temple and said... Pay attention. You're whole now. Say so no more. Or a worse thing is going to come on you. That sounds like a comparative statement. I'll read no more into it than what is written in it. But when I read that, I'm like, whoa, look what that actually says. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. I'm glad he said that and admitted that. But Jesus took care of the historical problem. Here's a statement I wrote with that. God and you know things about you that no one else does. I could apply that to me. God and I know things about me that no one else knows. God and you know things about you that no one else does we had best be honest with God and with ourselves he knows our history he knows our so called hidden history and I don't know what all that transaction was about right there I don't know what all that was about but when Jesus declaratively said to him you're whole sin no more lest the worst thing come to me. You find me anywhere else where Jesus healed somebody and he even got anywhere near that kind of language with him. you just won't. You won't find anywhere where Jesus healed somebody. And then he, did, he told him to go and sin no more. Who did he say that to? Do you know? The woman taking an act of adultery. So said there was a specific thing everybody knew about. He said go and sin no more. And then that, he ended the statement right there. He said, Woman, where be thine accusers? There are none, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Teaching her just that quickly, you're clean now, but don't use that as an excuse. You now you need to go a different direction. Amen. So just that quick, right? This fellow hands him down and says, You're whole. Don't sin more or a worse thing will come on you. I believe there's very something specific, just like that woman doctor didn't have to wonder what he was talking about. There's something in the history here. Jesus is a complete healer. He not only wants to deal with every other aspect, but He wants to deal with that part of your history that has to be dealt with honestly or you will be perpetually vulnerable going into the future. He wants you to be whole not only today and not only tomorrow, but He wants you to be whole when either He takes you home or you get to hear the trumpet and you leave this world. Jesus is the complete healer. Would you pray with me tonight? That's why I was supposed to get us. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for the truth of them. Thank you for being the magnificent and complete healer of us. God, may we be open to you in all aspects of our life that you may be vital and effective in our lives. May we never shut the door on you, but may we open it to you. Bless your people as you deal with them as you intended to from your word tonight, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. If we have invitations, some you need to bring to the Lord. Be always in the habit of responding to the word of God.